Welcome back, Bolt fam, to the post-game edition of Chargers Powder Hour Podcast. Day after the game, so the dust has settled, but the Chargers come out victorious over the Denver Broncos in a very, very, very rugged game. And it wasn't the prettiest, and it wasn't the funnest to watch, but at the end of the day, it was a W. Colin Appel, Miles Ruka, how you doing, man? It's hard to not be doing great on a Victory Tuesday. Um, we're used to Victory Mondays by now, but Victory Tuesday today, you know, just woke up this morning, just feeling good. Chargers 4-2, and two, tied atop AFC West with the Chiefs. Yeah, man, it's it's a good time to be alive. It's a good time to be a Chargers fan. Um, yeah, man, I'm doing good. How about yourself? Doing fantastic, you know. Work flew by today. The uh, the Padres play tonight, so that should be fun to, to pay attention to. And, yeah, just feeling great about a Chargers victory last night. You know, they they did enough to win the game, and, you know, I feel like one of the biggest things I took away from that game is that that, that is a game that we didn't win two seasons ago. And... It just feels nice to it doesn't it almost feels like it's like we're conditioned to be so used to being on the other side of it that being on this side a few times in a row, you know, just close games in general, it feels feels like we're not supposed to be here. So it feels weird, but I like it because it's it's a good feeling. It, it means that we're winning. Yeah, man, an ugly one at that. But hey, in the National Football League, a win is a win. And we'll take what we can get, and it's a good day to be alive. So no complaints here. Let's talk about it. A little bit. Yes, sir. Well, hey, before we uh, before we dive into it, what are you what are you drinking? Is that out of a a coffee mug? Out of my Los Angeles Chargers cup. Um, in here, I'm rocking with a little whiskey coke action. Um, didn't have Ooh, any beer. Okay. Here. Um, Getting after it. Didn't have any beer, so I just. With a little something up, and that's what we're rocking with today, man. It tastes like victory, so love it. Love it, man. Yeah, good old whiskey and Coke action. Is that, is that your go-to cocktail at the – like if you're out? Um, either that or – it's hard to go away from vodka crayons, man. They just, you know, smooth, <laughs> not nothing too heavy. Um, but honestly, whatever yeah. I'm offered, I'm not going to say no to. So, but yeah, whiskey Coke's up there for my I like favorites it. for sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm a, I'm not a huge whiskey guy, but you know, I, I, uh, I'm actually more of a rum guy. I'm Bacardi, Bacardi yeah. and Coke myself, nice rum and Coke, but good stuff. I am actually sipping on a good old fashioned Sam Adams, Boston lager. Went to the store last night, got the variety pack, which has Boston Lager, their Oktoberfest, their new, I don't know how new it is, but it's like a pumpkin ale, which is seasonal. That's really good. And then their winter uh, lager, which I can't think of the name, but they're all really good. I've tried one of each at least. And, um, We'll see if they're 
they're still standing tomorrow. I bought a 12 pack yesterday and I think I put down like four watching the game. So we'll, we'll see how long they last. Cause they're, they're delicious. Yeah. I gotta, had, I gotta try them for sure. Yeah. I know you're, uh, yeah, you're still new to the drinking game. I mean, at least legally, you're only you've only been 21 for what a year not quite no like eight nine months i want to say so okay so have have you uh have you had like a lot of uh sam adams or i've never had sam adams in my life okay it doesn't quite yeah, it, um, for me yeah i mean i i could see that like if it's not there you know they probably wouldn't go out of your way to get it but Next time you uh, next time you see it in front of you, try it out. Tell me what you think. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to do that. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, I was drinking during the game last night. I w- had to drink more than I wanted to because of that game. You know, I was rocking with the good old uh, Coors Banquets last night, so I got I got quite a few of those in me. Classy, so, you classy motherfucker. Yeah, you know me. But uh, yeah, I had to do what I had to do. But <laughs> we came out with a victory, so. Well, let's dive into it. I mean, just give me your initial reactions. I'll let you kind of go ahead and ramble on for a bit if you if you feel like you need to. Um, just, but I mean, overall thoughts about the game, um, and just recap all your all your feelings now that uh, we came out on the on the victory side. Well, damn. So, just thoughts about the game for me really is well, we we won, so that's that's good. Um, you know, Dustin Hopkins has that dog in him. Saw a report today, uh, from Popper. He's going to be out two to four weeks. So he was definitely hurting out there on the field last night, but he really came, came through in the clutch when we needed him to, um, JC Jackson might suck, which I hate to say, but you know, I think it's something that needs to be noted. Um, we're really missing Keenan Allen on offense for sure. Big time. Um, Denver's defense is very elite. Uh, Justin Herbert is still good, even though people are starting to trash him on Twitter just because apparently he's not putting up 300 yards and three touchdowns a game. But So he's getting trashed. Joe Lombardi sucks still. I'm just going to say he's inconsistent because like the last two weeks I haven't hated his play calling, but last night was atrocious. Um, Josh Palmer might not be washed. He looked pretty decent last night. And our defense is elite when it wants to be elite, for sure. So those are just kind of some of my quick thoughts, just the ones that came off the dome for me. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I that game was damn. I also last thought I never want to see the Broncos play primetime ever again because that just they might be the worst primetime team of all time. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We got it done. Uh, defense clutched when it mattered. Russell Wilson had 15 yards in the second half. Um, I really think our defense is an elite unit right now. Um, right now, anyway. They weren't last week, but right now, if they can stick with what they did last night going forward, I think that we're going to win a lot of football games. And offensively, Joe Lombardi is just holding one of the best generational quarterbacks back so badly right now. Um, again, that was he was playing against Denver, which, uh, you know, that's just kind of a dink and dunk team. You just got to take what you can get from them. You know, they're not going to give up a lot of big plays. 
um, through the air or on the ground, really. But you know what? We got it done when it mattered. And yeah, that's pretty much all I got right off the bat. So. Okay. First, first thought out of, out of all of that, at least the first thing that popped in my head, were we ever, were, did we ever decide that Josh Palmer was washed? Like when did one, okay. when did that? I shouldn't have said, I shouldn't have said like, I, I, like, I know I saw some stuff on charters Twitter, but I'm like, I, I don't like, I, I knew it was going to be kind of a, a slow climb for him. I mean, I think we all had high expectations for him coming into the season, but um, like, let's just not, let's not do that thing on chargers Twitter where we just like pretend and like fool ourselves into believing that every player is a Keenan Allen on offense. Like Michael Bandy is not Keenan Allen. He's, he's a good practice squad player to have on your team and, and can crack the roster on a few game days. But like, I don't know. It's just silly to me when I see yeah. like you see those comparisons and then it's like one week they're washed and then the next week, uh, you know, they have a decent game and it's like, Oh, maybe he's not like, no, he was never, never washed. Um, it's just going to be really up and down, especially given the state of this offense um, and these circumstances with injuries and guys being banged up, especially Herbert. But no man, I, I thought I thought uh, I thought Palmer had a nice game, and um, I wanted to talk real quick about you mentioned Lombardi, and I tweeted it out uh, this morning after after the game last night, and I said, you know, basically I said, you know, one thing was clear to me last night, and that's that Joe Lombardi is just not fit to be the OC of the Los Angeles Chargers now. Do I, do I think he gets fired this year? I don't know. Maybe. Um, I definitely think, think there's a possibility in which he doesn't. Um, does he get fired in the offseason, next season? Like I don't know how long he lasts, but the thing that I was asking myself watching that game last night, and, and now I know like people are going to come back and say, well, injuries, personnel, whatever. Yeah, that's true. You know, Herbert not being 100, I get all that just ask yourself this when you're evaluating whether or not if you haven't formed an opinion on, on Lombardi, ask yourself, do I trust this guy to fully tap into and unlock Herbert's full potential within these next two to three seasons? Yeah, no, that, that is the, and if the answer is no, then like, which that's my answer He's just not the answer long-term. And in my tweet, I even said, like, hey, I, I still think they can put up numbers. And, um, you know, I just think long-term, it's not it's not the answer. And then I even think somewhere on the thread, uh, I was replying to uh, someone who had replied to our, our, our tweet. And uh, I, basically I said, you know, my one of my worst fears is this offense being just good enough that Lombardi never gets the boot or, you know, gets too much of the blame because you're always going to have those, those people that are being like, well, they're top seven and or top six in offense every year. It's like, yes, of course they're going to be, they have Justin Herbert. 
they're always going to be towards the top in any offensive metric or almost all of them while he is the quarterback. And so I guess, you know, Herbert being so good that it kind of disguises um, some of the the blame that should go to the the coordinator. And, you know, look, we, we just watched a guy in Brian Dable get hired by the Giants uh, who was in consideration for the chart. Now, I'm not saying that we should have hired Dable, but you look at a guy like that and it's just like, man, that's why it's so fun to watch the Chiefs is because it's the perfect pairing of an offensive mind and a just like superstar quarterback. And, you know, you look at what they're doing over in New York and the start that they've had, and it's like you just – you almost have a wet dream imagining what could have been yeah. with a quarterback like Justin Herbert. Yeah, no, 100%. 100% I mean, but the question has to be asked, you know, what – what has happened? What happened since last year? I don't remember us really bitching about play calling last year on offense. Yeah, it might have been. It definitely wasn't gr- still great last year, but it's like it's almost think, to an extent this year where it's now we're really coming at Lombardi's. Can I? Let me let me say this. I think to an extent people are afraid, at least online on social media, to really criticize a first year coordinator, especially like because what I just mentioned too. Like, you can't be the guy, or you don't want to be the guy online criticize. Even though, even though they could be valid, and I, I, I did see some like murmurings last year here and there of like some like just you know, and fans that are diehard that watch every week for years and years and years. I mean, they have a very strong eye test, and so they they can kind of sniff out you know like what what's gonna work and what may not work down the road and. Um, I feel like fans have a, a pretty good sense for that anyways. But um, no, I saw some stuff last year, of, like some rumblings of like, and like people not being sold on Lombardi. And I think a lot of it, you know, he got a lot of grace because Chargers finished with a top offense and, and Justin Herbert and like all of that stuff kind of took away from, you know, what I think at least in my gut, has always been like, yeah, I don't know how much of it is really him and how much of it, I mean, just being Justin Herbert as your quarterback. And we've seen on multiple instances where, now Herbert has to take some some of the blame for missing some throws. He's not perfect, missing some some reads. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think in my gut, I don't see him being the, the long-term solution and yeah, but I just, I think people last year couldn't express how they really wanted to feel because it's the whole, Hey, it's his first year. They have a good offense. Like cut him some slack. Even if the, the signs were there early on. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. But you know, you just got to look at it's, it's all on the play calls. You know, he's not letting our, our all pro caliber quarterback cook. I mean, last year, Herbert had an average yards per attempt of 7.5 passing yards. This year, it's like four. Like four. Something is just off. Like, I, I understand. I really think that this offense is missing Keenan Allen more than we thought it would. Like, Keenan Allen is just a incredibly important part of this offense, and his absence this year is really showing that. 
but still like and I think that's also a big big reason why Lombardi has not gotten I mean he's still getting a lot of grace because of you know elements like that so you know it is kind of unfair to I mean look Keenan Allen's played in what two and a half quarters this entire season like two I think he was out in the first half of Vegas but okay so maybe maybe a half of football um so it's just it hasn't been the same offense that we saw last year because that's a big element that's missing so yeah I get that and you know it's really going to be you know I think we'll probably know by the end of this year I don't think Lombardi will get fired in in season I just don't think that's I know it's happened before you know I think most recently being Ken Wisenhunt when Shane Steichen took over a few years ago and I mean, so it's not that not that that isn't a possibility, but I think he survives the season, and it's going to be on Staley. It's going to all be on Staley. He's going to have to have the the balls to basically basically go to Lombardi in the off season and be like, "Hey, you know, however the season ends, playoffs, first round, Super Bowl, like, you know, I, I just think there's enough there." Everyone sees it. I mean, go on Twitter, you know, on primetime game last night, everyone's watching and you, you just see tweets that are like, dude, what is this coordinator doing? Like, he's just not, le- like you said, he's not letting Herbert cook. And sure, injuries, I, I get all that. Like I said, that's it's going to be what a lot of folks have to kind of counter that argument. But just eye test alone, man, like I'm not sold. I haven't been. They have a lot of pieces, and I just feel like they're they're all kind of being like under underutilized. Yeah, that's a good term for it. Yeah, I, dude, you just gotta. I know, and you know, there's there's just so many factors that can go into this. You know, you gotta think about well, what's what's on the inside of this whole Justin Herbert rib injury? Maybe there's things that aren't being released to the fans about, you know, how exactly healthy is Justin Herbert right now? Or, you know, maybe they're, again, like we're saying, maybe play calling is different with guys like Keenan Allen, Jalen Guyton out right now. Or, you know, different personnel comes in, Michael Bandy, Jason Moore. You know, we just got we just got Parham back. You know, maybe there's just certain play calls that they want to run for certain people in certain situations. And it might seem confusing at the time, but, you know, at the end of the day, we have Justin Herbert as our quarterback, and we're basically just throwing like pretty much like fifty percent checkdowns at this rate of the season, and that's just not. I mean, right now it's it's we're still winning games, but I don't we're not winning games because of our offense right now. Last night we won because of our defense and special teams, which as a Chargers fan, I don't think I've ever said those words before in my life. But like our offense mm-hmm. just isn't we're not getting it done right now. And it really is all play calling because we have the pieces that we need to succeed, but we just do not have somebody that is calling the right place for us to succeed. So I don't know. man. I think a lot of the blame too, because this is going to be my transition transition point to this topic is the offensive line, man. They easily had their worst showing of the year last night. And that, that was evident. I think, they had five holding penalties. 
which is just five too many, if we're being honest. Um, you know, I think Zion Johnson had three of those. So just rough, rough night for him. But, you know, he's he's a rookie. They're not, you know, they're not always going to be pretty. You got to earn your stripes in this league, even if you've gotten off to a, a good start in your career. So, you know, I, I, I'm proud of the way they, they fought and, and overcame, especially uh, our boy Brendan Hymas coming in to be the center. <laughs> Snap the ball to Herbert and worry about protection and, and all this stuff. Uh, he's never played an NFL snap at center. I think he'd only had like five snaps, is what they said on the broadcast, which is just fucking insane <laughs> that he was thrusted into action when Will Clapp went out for, I think, what was all of one series, maybe? Yeah, I think he was, yeah, he was just out that one series, but yeah, I literally went in, and then I remember watching the play, and the flag got thrown, and I even said out loud in my living room, I was like, watch this, holding 64. Sure enough, they said, holding number 64 offense. I was like, I just, I know ball. Dude, but, just fighting for his life in there, bro. Uh, but hey, you got to... Um, you got, got to give him a shout out. He he didn't give up. I mean, he gave up a holding penalty. He didn't but, fuck up. I mean, come on. So. Yeah, he, he didn't. He didn't botch a snap or uh, give up a sack or anything like that. So uh, did give up some pressures, but hey, when adversity calls, <laughs> will Cl- or sorry, when adversity calls, Brandon Hymas is answering. So yeah, the Chargers survive. So. It's all fun games now, but love to see Will Clapp getting back in there. Um, I don't know what it was that he went out with. Was it leg or upper body? I honestly don't know. I thought it was lower body, but I don't know. But yeah, I didn't look too much into it. I'm just glad to see him back out there. And uh, so, yeah, offensive line. I mean, what? How concerned are you about this unit going forward? I'm not. I'm really not at all. You know, on a scale one to ten, where are you at? I'm like a two, maybe. I'm really not concerned about this. At really, all. you know, Corey okay. Lindsley out with food poisoning. That's just a fluke. You know, we saw how good that unit played against, you know, the likes of Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney last week. Um, you know, Jamar Sawyer's really stepped into his role. His name didn't get called a lot last night, which is pretty good for an offensive lineman. You know, Pipkins was playing on that MCL, which, you know, first game out with an MCL. Can't expect him to be fully healthy. Um, Zion Johnson probably had his worst game of the year last night. He had quite a few holdings and some false starts. Um, But, again, those are just things that, you know, can be corrected through practice. And that's just kind of, you know, rookie. Just a rookie being a rookie, you know. That's just kind of expected for a first-round talent. But... I'm really not too concerned coming back. Pip, you know, the more time Pipkins is just going to get more healthy with that MCL. You know, we got this week and then another bye week. Uh, Lindsley, Lindsley, yeah. obviously food poisoning, nothing to be concerned about long-term. I'm just really not very concerned about this unit. I think they, they showed me all that I needed to see in that Browns game. And last night, you know, they went up against a great interior rush of Denver, but that was with obviously guys like Will Clapp and Brendan Hymas on the interior. And I just think, I think without Lindsley, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things like a Jenga tower, you know, one piece well, and then the whole thing comes crumbling down. But, you know, I think with, and I'm there, looking, it's gonna be a lot I'm looking at the, 
the stats from last night, and it, it's kind of starting to make more and more sense once you look into, you know, these stats. And, you know, Trey Pipkins, he gave up five pressures. One of them ended up being a sack. Three of them ended up being hits on Justin Herbert. He is not even anywhere near being healthy, I should say. And yet here he is, probably still as just as effective as Storm Norton would be, if not still a little bit better out here playing basically on a bum knee. Um, but just clearly, I mean, he's he hasn't been the, the Trey Pipkins that we've kind of come to know over the first month of this season, and that's clear. And then I look next, you know, Zion Johnson, four pressures allowed, one for a sack, two more for hits on Justin Herbert. Like you mentioned, Corey Lindsley is out. You know, he's he's a huge piece of this offensive line. And when you look at Zion Johnson's perspective, who's to your left? Yeah, exactly. You got it's Corey Lindsley. Yeah. Who's to your right? It's Trey Pipkin. So when both of those are thrown off, um, you know, I think he just wasn't probably wasn't comfortable. And clearly, you know, I think that game kind of reflected that. Matt Filer had three pressures allowed none for a hit or none for a sack. Uh, Will Clapp had two. So Will Clapp had probably the best game. Well, no, uh, Jamari Sawyer had the best game of the offensive line. Will Clapp um, easily second best right there because Brandon Hymas, I actually have it pulled up right here, had two pressures on six snaps. So dude was fighting for his life, but hey, got, got the job done. And then Jamari motherfucking Sawyer, one pressure allowed, no sacks, no hits. Yeah, dude, that's why I'm not I'm not overly concerned about this whole line. Pipkin's gonna get healthier. Lindsay will be back next week. I'm really just not too concerned about it. Okay, will Pipkins get back to being the Pipkins that we've we've come to see? Because Here's the cruel reality, and I'm not, I'm really not trying to be Debbie Downer or be like anti optimistic, but I just have to be the realist that I am and be like, what if? Okay. Yeah, there's always and what. This, there's always what. If. There's a thousand ways to play this game. I get that. But let me just present this scenario, and that's what if Pipkins can go for the next, let's call it three weeks, right? Um, He's limited on the practice report. He's not a lot probably being mentioned, but let's say we get to a, a a game down the stretch where his knee is just fucking gone. Like he's he's gotta be shelved, at least on IR. God forbid season ending, but let's just say he's he's on IR. Which means you know who is going to be the starting right tackle. Okay. I, I understand, but I just don't think that, that that has that that doesn't affect your Oh no, if that is your concerns oh, no. or your feelings if for this offensive case, line a little if bit. That is the case, then my concern for the offensive line jumps from like a two to like a even that. even just the thought of the, the possibility of that doesn't doesn't make because your concerns. I just don't any. think that that's you know, there hasn't been any reports that have come out today, you know, from our trusty Daniel Popper or anyone else that have mention anything well that's what i'm saying is like there could be just radio silence like they very little reporting they kind of keep it, it hush, hush. Be, hey, think that's the case i don't know i mean it's it's kind of how this this 
club likes right. to, to if, operate. If but. we're doing fairy tales, if that is the case, then yes, my concern for our offensive line is drastically changed. And if a man with the initial well, pass and it, end comes into the game, it doesn't even have to be with with Pipkins. I mean, it could be anyone at this point. I mean, the I mean, look, it's it's. I think it is amazing that this offensive line has not broken yet. I I think so many of us thought I, the minute that. Rashawn Slater went down like this thing was just going to be kind of a train wreck. Like who knew, who knows how this was going to go. Right. And they've really, I mean, they, for the most part, they have bent and have not broken, which has been amazing to see. But now you're at a point where if one more guy goes down via, I mean, look, I mean, I know it's food poisoning. I'm not saying, I mean, thank God it's just food poisoning. But if, if a guy like, Really, not even. I mean, if Lindsley goes down, it's it's probably. Oh, then. But if anyone else at this point, it's going to be looking really rough, and that's I think more more so my my biggest concern. You're right; it's not anything that is factual at this moment. But all it takes is one time logging in, into Twitter and and reading some bad news, and immediately everything changes. So, um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Overall, going forward, I think this line is going to be okay. I think that's just going to be the reality of the rest of the season. Like, it'll be an okay line at the end of the year. Doesn't mean that they can't win with an okay line because we've seen this team be competitive and win with terrible O lines in the past. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, a hundred percent. I understand what you're where you're getting from. I think. See, I personally think that they're better than okay. I just think, you know, last night was one of those nights we didn't have our leader on that offensive line and Lindsley. Well, I mean, Slater, obviously, too, but we didn't have Lindsley out there. You know, um, Pipkin's not 100% healthy, and the, the other guys played like shit, and we still won. So I just yeah. think it's one of those things. We played a really good defense last night. Looking at our schedule going forward, Seahawks, bye week Falcons. I don't don't think the Seahawks have anything to boast about on that defense. I don't think the Falcons have anything to boast about on that defense. And then we got a bye week in the middle of that to get guys even more healthy. So yeah, I I I'm just not really concerned about the positional group right now. Again, that like you mentioned, that could one hundred percent change should an injury occur. But right now, um I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, that's fair. That, yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, let's let's transition over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, kind of, a, I mean, overall a solid night for the Chargers defense. Did not start off that way. It started off kind of rough. Uh, I think you tweeted out at one point, um, damn, leave it to the Chargers to make Russell Wilson look elite. I, mean, I saw it coming. <laughs> And it looked like that's how it was going to be the whole game, but you know what? They stepped up when it mattered. So, yeah, yeah, they made they definitely made some adjustments. And the, the Staley, I mean that that was one thing that you know, as much I don't know, call it heat, call it whatever you want to call it, that Staley's been getting lately. It was really nice to see him kind of um, make those adjustments and and buckle down and, and get his defense to to really just shut. Russell Wilson down completely. I mean that that second half was was about as poor as it can get from the the opposition standpoint, from a, a quarterback standpoint in this league. Like that was just really bad football from Russell Wilson. 
Yeah. No. And a, a large part of it is just directly because the Chargers defense was that good. So, yeah, there's a lot of game balls to be given out on that defense. You know, some veteran guys, some younger guys, but you know what? They they all stepped up when it mattered. And then you got to you got to like look at things like, dude, we just paid a cornerback 87 million dollars in the offseason and he got benched in the second half and that is when we literally nearly shut him out. Like you got to take thing. The only time that the Broncos scored points in the second half was off of a short field because of the Herbert tip pick. So, you know, you got to just like take, you got to take some things into account that just the adjustments that Staley can make really proves to me that he can really be a successful coach in this league, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that last night was a great example of that. Yeah, no, look, I drew tranquil had a fucking hell of a game and you know i've been a guy that's i i've i've talked crap about him before in the past and i've also early on i, I thought he was going to be like the next like luke keekley which i was just like, i don't even know how i thought that in the past but whatever like he it, it was just good to see him have a great game um you know i wasn't expecting it out of that linebacker group but they've really kind of shut me up a lot this, this year. They've, they've shown that they've had a good bounce back start to the season. You know, Kenneth Murray looks like Kenneth Murray again, doesn't look like the one legged version of himself that we saw last year. And Drew Tranquil, I mean, it's just played solid. So it was really cool to see him have a big night. You know, I think he had two sacks and, you know, one of them was just like the most, like as satisfying as a sack can can be to watch on television, like that that last one on on Wilson that just no one was home and he just got a clean and it was like a, a solid smooth tackle it wasn't the the biggest hit in the world but um, on Russell Wilson of all people which makes it a thousand times more satisfying to watch, yeah, um, yeah just. Just like football porn, honestly. Yeah, dude. It just, I don't know, man. There's a lot of, there's, like I mentioned, there's a lot of people that you could shout out on the defense. You know, you could shout out dudes like Michael Davis who came in and replaced our $87 million man. Yeah. Really showed, really showed, you know, why he's somebody to keep around for a while. You know, you could shout out Derwin James, dude. That one sack on the blitz. The way that they time those blitzes is so insane. Like that just boggles my mind. I saw I think it was Drew Tranquil or somebody said today that through film they saw that Russell Wilson always snapped the ball with five seconds left in the play clock. And um so then they kind of took that into account and that's kind of how they timed their blitzes. And that's just but still I mean one missed jump and that's obviously five more yards for Denver, but yeah, dude, it, it's it's yeah. crazy how they do that. You know, Drew Tranquil played. That might have been his best game as a pro last night that we saw from him. Um, you know, Derwin was Derwin, and everyone else other than J.C. Jackson just seemed to really, really be, you know, prominent in that defense last night. You know, the big play before half and the touchdown to Dolchich were both J.C. Jackson's fault if – let's say Michael Davis starts that game. There's a real opportunity that we win that game by two scores. That, yeah. 
it's a crazy way to look at it, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it was a rough, rough night for JC Jackson. I mean, he got benched. The $80 million man got benched. Like, not good. But got to give all the credit in the world to, you know, Michael Davis, a.k.a. Vato, who, you know, he, he's a scrappy player. I've, I, I've always liked him just because, you know, he, he's an undrafted guy. He, he's he's fought for everything that he's gotten in this league and, and to make your way on to a second contract with the team that you came up with. I don't I've just – he's always – He's always been a, a guy near and dear to my heart as a fan. And, you know, he kind he kind of got benched, you know, when, when JC Jackson was healthy again and, and came back in and, um, you know, it, it just, I love that we have those types of players on our roster, you know, that finally to me speaks that we have the depth to keep this thing afloat with injuries. And I, I mean, you look at our record, four and two, I think that's exactly what we've done. We've had, I think, probably what you could categorize as three ugly wins in a row with Houston, Cleveland, and now Denver. And it's like, hey, man, that that's that's why you went out and got one, the, the, the superstars, the big names, you know, um, Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, but you also got guys that just fill in the, the gaps on the roster, you know, the, the Bryce Callahan's, the Van Noy's. We haven't talked about all of them and mentioned all of them, but, you know, doesn't wouldn't surprise me at all if at one point in the season all of those, you know, Morgan Fox, um, all those guys come up with a key play to to win a game for the Chargers. I mean, can't say enough about the the depth that we brought in. Dude, there's a question to be had that there's JC Jackson might be so far. He's probably been the worst signing that we've had on the defensive side this offseason. I mean, dudes like Morgan Fox, Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, you know, Bryce Callahan have all showed way more to us than JC Jackson has so far. So then I kind of want to I want to ask you this question. What do you think are the odds that Michael Davis is our starting cornerback over JC Jackson next week? Uh, I wouldn't hate it. I mean, and I, I think there's a way to go about it with JC so you don't completely just like piss him off and kill his confidence. Like, I think, and I think Staley is savvy enough to pull this off is, you know, you have to have a one on one meeting and be like, hey, man, we both know that you're not JC right now. You're, you're an 80% version, 90% version. I think he even said himself a few weeks ago, like he's 90%. Um, even that could be, you know, just media talk and he could be 70%, but Hey, 90% sounds better, whatever. Like they both have to agree that like, Hey, this is not the, the version of JC Jackson that we want and or need. So we need to get you right before we put you back out and into the fire because teams, I don't know if you've been noticing this and I'm sure you have. Teams have been targeting him a ton. Like they have been going after him. And it has it wasn't just the Broncos. I mean, pretty much every opponent that we've faced has and, and that's like that's not a good sign. As as a guy that you just signed to an eighty million dollar deal for defenses to look at him and be like, Yeah, him. Like that's who we're gonna pick on today. Um and I hey look, I think 
I want to say this too because I haven't I've seen it and it makes it's a really good point and I haven't seen a lot of people talking about it so um, I don't know how aware people are of it but you know he comes from a man system in New England you know and and Staley runs a zone heavy scheme and it's not the first time that we've heard about a corner having a tough time adjusting in schemes when they come from a completely different system that asks them to do a completely different job. Um, and look, this is, this is the NFL, man. Like those wide receivers are just as good, if not better than those DBs. And, and they, they know that stuff. They take advantage of, of certain routes and moves and, you know, they're going to do anything they can to exploit you. So I just think he like, Look, he didn't practice for a month. That's huge. When you're when you're coming into a new scheme, practice is everything. Walk through, like slowing the like slowing the plays down, knowing your assignments. I think this could be a, a longer, a lingering issue longer than we think. You know, I initially thought with every week he was going to be getting a little bit better coming out of that injury. But I this, you know, to answer your question in a long, rambling way. I think, yeah, Michael Davis very well could be the starting cornerback next week, and I don't think it has to be a diss or a slight to J.C. Jackson is kind of how I was going about that. You know, I don't think it has to be a J.C. sucks. Now Mike is our corner. No, it can be like, hey, man, J.C.'s not ready, but Mike is – this is why we have the depth that we have. Good teams have depth. So I I look at it from that perspective. Yeah, uh, 100%, man. I just – it's just crazy to see how, how I don't know if I want to say how important he is on a certain defense like New England or just how unimportant he is in a new defense like L.A. It's just, I don't know, I, I don't think any Chargers fan could have predicted how poorly his season has come out to a start, you know, whether it was the injury that he had or just looking horrible on the field. It just has been a complete nightmare. And I, re- I, I, I will I'm say for him, trust me, I think every, everybody that's a Chargers fan is rooting for him, but like, wow, he's, he has just not been great. And Michael Davis showed that, you know, maybe he deserves some playing time going forward. No one would have predicted it, but I think all of the signs were clearly there. And even looking back on it, I think that like, it definitely makes sense, you know, with like the, the lingering issue in his ankle to the surgery, to the missing practice, they're rushing him back to now that he's kind of been dog shit for the first four weeks of the season. Like, I think all the signs were there. I just, I think, you know, from the the fan hype and hey, we we all buy into it. Like that's part of being a fan, you know, the hype and the excitement. And, you know, as we're coming up with all these training camp scenarios, like none of these players are ever going to make mistakes or get hurt or like, you know, like these, these guys are human. They're going to fuck up. You know, we all fuck up at our jobs and these guys do it too. You know, it's just, they're getting gaslighted for everything. So, um, you know, I, yeah, that's kind of how I feel about that. Yeah, I know. It's just weird, man. It is what it is. I'm hoping he bounces back, but yeah, so far Michael Davis has to be the dude going forward. I think he's, he showed us what we needed to see last night. Um, 
But overall, defense, second half was just absolutely insane, swarming everywhere, took advantage of a shitty O-line, and were able to get after Russ, force some incompletions, you know, didn't force a turnover. Uh, special teams forced a turnover, but defense did not force a turnover, um, which is kind of different. But, you know, they, they did what they could without forcing a turnover and got the job done. So that, is there really anything more you could ask of them? Yeah, dude, I was, oh man, I, there was like at least four or five drives on the defensive side where I was just, I, I, I watched a game with my buddy Lucho, who I also went to, uh, the Chiefs game with. So if you're listening to this, shout out to you, Lucho, but, um, he came over and we, <clears throat> we were watching the game and there was like, must've been like four or five drives where I was like, dude, I can just like, I can literally taste a turnover right now like I, I i feel like we're this close to just ha- and there were a few plays where um i did you know that there were there were close calls you know the, the nos the nasir adderley uh, well underthrown ball by russ that uh nos adderley had a good route on but just was was a couple steps out of place and then there was a incomplete pass in the end zone and i think asante samuel jr had a really good read and look at but um again you know just kind of a timing issue there but so there were a couple plays that i thought could have turned into turnovers but none sweeter than a special teams turnover and especially to set you up for the game winner game winning field goal and it seemed like that literally was going to be the only way we could have advanced the ball 50 yards to to put an an injured Dustin Hopkins into field goal range. The dude was out there literally on one foot and it's just kind of like, even now a day later, it's kind of amazing, but it's the kind of luck that you just don't expect as a chargers fan. Like it's always the opposite. It's always the other way around. It's our special teams that fucks up in the last couple, couple minutes of regulation or overtime. And sets them up for just a a fucking walk in the park win. And yeah, I I guess I'm just still kind of amazed that it went the ball bounced our way. An amazing heads up play by Jasir Taylor to cause that fumble to, you know, shout out to Ryan Ficken, special teams coach, um, for coaching those boys up because that seemed that was a savvy move. That seemed like a, a veteran move from a, a rookie who's, you know, only been in the organization for a few months. So, um, but you know, I, I did read something in an article in Popper's article that had mentioned that they had seen that on tape that Denver liked to kind of add some extra protection on their punting units, and you know, with J.K. Scott booming those balls up into the fucking stratosphere, you know, they take ten seconds to to land. So. Uh, shout out to him too for for uh, just putting the fucking satellite in orbit and making that play possible. So yeah, man, all around proud of this team. They I they didn't have to win this game, but they did, and I mean that in the sense of like they didn't have to win it because they're the Chargers. You know, they just some most of the time don't win that game. So. Just 
really overall great stuff. Yeah, I tweeted earlier. I said that's the kind of game that, you know, elite teams win. And I, I just think that that really speaks towards us as Chargers fans. Like you mentioned, this is not something we're accustomed to. You know, that, that's a game that we find a way to lose, uh, you know, back, you know, last year, two years ago, or just in the past in general. You know, we've just been accustomed to so many, you know, one score losses that we just get screwed over by. Uh, you know, whether it be like a, some weird ass call by the ref or, you know, we throw a pick that like last second just don't clutch up. But you know what? We ball bounced our way. Finally, you know, we have to lead the league by a million in and fumbles not recovered by us. So, oh, my God, it's insane. One thing I was going to add to that real quick, I was going to say the classic Chargers heartbreak is. They would actually go down and score an amazing, insane, controversial touchdown that would initially get reviewed and then get taken off the board. And then they would find a way. To, like, I feel like that has happened so many times. Um, and the, the catch by Mike Williams last That's night kind of like, it kind of had similar vibes. Of like, oh my God, don't, like, don't jip us out of a, was a, catch, dude. a potential game winning play. Yeah, no, that just that's just chargers charging it feels like. But guess what? I don't think we're we're not charging anymore, man. We're I think it I think it's one of those things that it speaks towards, you know, players buying in and, you know, it's it's kind of like what's the word I want to say? It's a new it's a new environment within the stadium. It's a new like I don't I don't want to say like tradition, but I can't think of the word more. energy. Yeah. Aura. Yeah, the new aura around it that's just like, you know what, we can win we can win these games. We're gonna change people's preconceived notions about the Los Angeles Chargers one game at a time. And so far, that's what we've seen this year. So All right, let me ask you this. This is probably the last thing I have for you before we get out of here. How many ugly games or wins in a row are you willing to accept? before you get to the point of, I mean, call it panic if you want, uh, anxiety, but like if we have, let's say we win the next three games and the, and the Chargers very easily could, they're very winnable games. We talked about that stretch before, you know, if they can get back to that Chiefs rematch, at, I think at six and two or seven and two, whatever it is, um, you know, that's exactly what they have to do. But if all of those are just, grinded out ugly wins with this offense kind of like fails to impress and this defense is like great one week and then suspect the next like how many of those weeks in a row are you willing to take before you're just like man maybe we're just a fucking like suspect six and two team hey ugly win is a win so you know what if we gotta win ugly let's win ugly i'd rather win ugly than lose pretty so Oh, for sure, like a hundred percent. But I understand like, your question. I'm I'm saying from like a just from a competitive standpoint, like all that's great. Like, but it's all the same end goal, right? Yeah. And if you get to the the postseason and and your matchup is Buffalo at Buffalo, like, do you will you have the the feeling of hey man no we can go in and beat him or, no i i went for, I, uh, I don't know like you know we 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 kind of you know 
maybe are imposters a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, 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 I get say. the question. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, because out of every ugly win, that's a tough question because of out of every ugly win, there's good to take out of it, you know. But we've seen our offense get to a point of being elite this year, and we've seen our defense get to a point of being elite this year. And one of those weeks, I mean, look, the, it's both going to happen. And if the ball doesn't bounce our way last night, then you could say, like, you, as I, to prove my point, like the, the Broncos could have woken up this morning and said, hey, we're three and three, we're 500. But everyone in their, in their, dog knows that they've played six shitty games and they're really not that great of a team but here they are six weeks into the season playing five like you know what i'm saying like at what point like let's say the chargers fast forward us five games from now and we are seven and four but we played like shit in that stretch even with our wins like you know at what point do you be like maybe we're just kind of like you can't even say lucky. I don't want to say lucky is the word, but maybe we're not as good as we thought we were heading into the season. Because yeah. we were heading oh. into the season, we were like Super Bowl or bust. I've, I've reached that point already. I've kind of – I I don't think we're nearly as good as we all thought that we were during the season. I don't think we're nearly as good as a lot of people thought we would be so far this year. But I think that our best ball is still ahead of us. So uh, to answer your question, you know, I think it's still going to take – a lot it I, it's i'm still a ways away from really from really being like you know what we're not a very good team you know i still think that we are a good team yeah. i think that we're we can be elite um you know we've seen both sides of the ball show up and be elite uh just not in the same week yet so i i still sure. think that we're gonna be great i still i'm still a ways away from realizing or thinking to myself man we're not that good but, you know, that's just something that time will tell. And right now I'm just worried about getting a win against Seattle next week. So, No, that's fair. I, I just – it took me a while to kind of like get that across the way I wanted it to. But I, I would agree with you. I mean, I'm still not there yet. Um, I just wanted to kind of test your, your temperature on that. Yeah, no, good question. Um, Before we get out of here real quick, I just want to give – out you want to give out i want to give out like three game balls each who would you give your three game balls to last night's game to and i want you to go first because i have a few in mind but i would switch out some people if you took them so i mean we're probably gonna have like i mean there's there's a there's some big ones so like it's okay if i guess if we repeat because i mean everyone would have these guys up there um first one got it Gotta go to to Dustin Hopkins, man. For sure. Um, that was the. I think I tweeted last night, like build the Hopkins statue now. Yeah. And yeah, man, like just legendary game from a guy that like he'll be able he'll be able to tell his grandkids that story until he is on his deathbed, and it'll be awesome. He he had like what was it four field goals? Yeah, he went four for four. And a game winner in overtime on Monday Night Football. I know, man, it's awesome, dude. And I, I want to say too that Jesus picked Dustin Hopkins over Russell Wilson last night. That that should be. Noted. I I thought that exact same thing when. 
Yeah, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell my grand I'm gonna ask I'm gonna tell my grandkids all about the Dustin Hopkins game and wow, you know. Remember the time that Jesus neglected Russell Wilson and decided hey, to to love Dustin Hopkins more. Jordan had a flu game, but Dustin Hopkins had a injured leg game, so Yeah, legendary. So one to Dustin Hopkins, the other game ball you're giving out three. You yeah, said? let's give out three. Other game ball goes to Jasir Taylor. There you go. I mean, heads up play, won him the game. Like I said, I there is no way you can convince me today that like that game ends in a tie if that play doesn't happen. Because Denver's not scoring. Denver could maybe score with McManus booting like a 63-yarder or something like that, crazy if he had to. But other than that, like, we weren't going to go down and score, and we weren't going to put Hopkins in field goal range to get close enough to win. So I truly believe if that play doesn't happen, this game ends in a fucking tie. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, that's all I need to say about that. So Jasir Taylor gets my second game ball. My third game ball, ooh, I have an obvious candidate. I, I want to save him. For, I know you're going to throw him in yours, so I'm trying to hold off on that one. But... I'm trying to think out of the box here too. All right, I'm gonna go. Yeah, this one. I mean, it's not super out of the box, but I'm avoiding the the obvious one. I'm gonna go Jamari Sawyer. Shout out to the kid, man. Still hasn't allowed a a sack in his NFL career, which is just bonkers. You know, getting thrown into the left tackle position arguably one of the most important positions in, in all of football. So um, that's been a really fun story to follow. And I'm just every week I'm, I just, I fall in love with that guy a little bit more. He's awesome. Yeah, dude, those are some really good picks um, for mine. I'm going to go with the one that I know you're going to say uh, drew tranquil. Obviously I think that's the elephant in the room to address. Yes. Uh, we already talked about him earlier on the episode. So just touching on, you know, two sacks last night. Uh, I think he had three tackles for loss several pressures and just man that dude off the blitz is dynamite sometimes especially when he can read the snap and time it perfectly so drew tranquil would be definitely one for me um my second one i'm gonna give it to michael davis dude really stepped into a role um i can't remember if it was last week or two weeks ago he didn't have a single snap at cornerback like he went from a guy that you know but especially before the callahan signing we were like you know he's gonna be probably a good he's going to be a good slot guy or maybe Asante this slot and he'll be the CB2 outside but we saw we saw you know JC Jackson get benched for him and he came in and truly balled out last night you know that whole defense could get a game ball for that second half Russell Wilson 15 yards in that second half and then finally for my third and final game ball I'm going to really go out of the box here I'm going to give it to Damari Mathis uh, the cornerback that had four pass interferences um, for the Broncos last night. Thank you. Uh, thank you for those. If I ever meet you in person, I will buy you a beer. Um, thank you, sir. Might I have another? Yes, you and you and Cade York are, have joined the fa- have joined the club together. So, um, thank you guys for your service for our Chargers the last two weeks. And I guess we'll see who on Seattle. We salute you next week. So. Bud Light presents Real Man of Genius. Real Man of Genius. There you go.
So thank you, Demario Mathis. Um, Appreciate you. Good stuff, man. Uh, well, you know, I, I I think we've we've said it throughout the podcast. A win is a win. You take them anyway. You can you can get them, especially in this league. And Chargers are four and two, heading into a game. Is it in Seattle or, or in SoFi? It's in SoFi. That's what I thought. Another um, home game. I thought maybe I saw somewhere that said Seattle or I heard. I think someone on the broadcast maybe fucked that up last night then because I swear someone said next week at Seattle. Um, so, yeah, next week, back in SoFi, uh, should be another win. Doesn't mean they will win, obviously, but should be a very winnable game for the Chargers. And hopefully, hopefully we can see a complete game. But if it's not, who cares as long as we get a win. So anything else you'd want to add before we get out of here? No, man. Let's let's get out of here. I think that's everything I can think of. Uh, Yankees officially moving on to play the Strohs, so that's good news. Uh, Trash. Hey, I'm rooting for your Padres. Chill out. So I know, but you, ah, the fact that you're a Yankees and there's just something wrong with that. I have man. more Padres jerseys than I have Yankees jerseys. So good. Keep it that Maybe way. Maybe if Pods win tonight, I'll wear my Tatis jersey to class tomorrow. So there you go. Love to see it, man. All right, let's get out of here. And as always, make sure you guys follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Powder Hour Pod LA. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chargers Powder Hour and bolt up. Peace.